Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Guardian. In 1998, a photographer who made the US her home following the Iranian Revolution decided to make her first video installation. Shirin Neshat's Turbulent not only commented on Iran's society, but also came to reconnect her with the country's diaspora in New York. Here, I'm, I want to share with you something that I've never shared with my audience before who have seen Turbulent before. Originally, I got this idea when I was in Istanbul. I was walking around and I saw this blind young girl singing just in a corner, collecting some money. And hundreds of people had gathered around her And I was riveted by the power of her music, like everyone else in that space. And what was amazing, that she was not conscious of her audience. She didn't even know how many people were gathered around her. And I was possessed by this idea that a singer sings full-heartedly without even being conscious of an audience. If she has one or two or hundreds or a thousand, that it came truly without being self-conscious, without, you know, it's absolutely guttural and very primal and deep. And I just could not stop thinking about that young blonde girl. So when I came back from Istanbul, I said, I want to make a piece that speaks about a performance that the singer is not aware of her audience. You know, much of us as artists, we're so narcissistic and so self-conscious and so egotistic and aware of how we're conceived and people see us and our artwork's impact on the audience. And it was such an important experience for me to see this blind woman singing. Well, one thing led another and eventually Turbulent was born. Turbulent was created as a multi-channel projection on two opposite walls, so the audience had to sit in between the two videos, 
We began with a man uh, with an audience, a highly stylized image. The man began to sing a beautiful love song, poetry by Rumi, and it was the most enchanting, beautiful music of Iranian tradition. While on his opposite stood a woman with his back to the camera, facing an empty theater. And she began this most unusual performance that her voice became her instrument. And the voice ranged from crying to screaming to breaking glass. While the men on the opposite side and his audience were just riveted by this woman's performance and just sort of motionlessly watching her as she finally reached a climax and she put him in his place. At the end, she became utterly victorious and with all her constraints and lack of audience, musically she reached a place that he never could have. Turbulent was also not only a move from me, from still photography to the moving picture, but the beginning of a new era of collaboration with a team of Iranian artists who lived in New York, including Susan Dehin, who was a great singer in this film, Shoja Azari, who became later my partner and continuing to be a collaborator, Qasem Ebrahimian, an amazing cinematographer. As Iranians who were living more or less in exile outside of their own country, this collaboration became incredibly important and satisfying for us, both on artistic and social level. And we were able to take ideas that, although were rooted in the Iranian culture, were able to communicate to a larger audience. And in this particular piece, music being incredibly important, and for us to decide what music we would choose from the Iranian society that was very significant to the Iranian people and as classical music uh, by Shahram Nazari, which Shoja sang. And then bringing Susan Dehim as an artist who lived in exile and who's contributed to the Iranian culture in a very different way, uh, from the outside and has really been groundbreaking in her own in innovative music. So we were in a particular place as people who were, you know, expatriates and being able to still continuing on with Iranian culture from the outside, making a piece that sort of both relative to the Iranian culture today, but yet to the Iranians in diaspora. I made Turbulent when I was really just discovering myself as an artist. I had not made art very much before that. I was working at the storefront for art and architecture, not-for-profit gallery. And I was really trying to find my way back to my own country that I'd been absent from for so long. And I felt this incredible nostalgia of being reconnected to the Iranian community because I'd really been distant from not only the Iran, since I hadn't traveled to Iran after the Islamic Revolution, I'd been distant from my family for over 12 years, 
But also in New York, I had very few Iranian friends. And so with Turbulent came not only a new beginning in terms of an artistic career, but a way to reunite and reconnect to the Iranian community and build a kind of a new family for myself, nurturing me as a human being, someone that had been deprived from her own culture, uh, but also conceiving a new beginning, a future that uh, could be you know, more inclusive of my Iranian background. And so this nostalgia was really um, became a central part of this development, both artistically and personally. Sometimes I, I look back at Turbulent and the decisions that were made in terms of the music, the theme, the whole construction of the piece, and I realize that this pious was so extremely simple but very concise. We were very clear about what we wanted to do, that this music was about creating a form of opposites. Um, we had the male singer performing a very beautiful classical music performed by an incredible living artist, Isharam Naziri, that Shojar Lipsang to a theater that was full of audience of men. And yet, of course, I want to just make a quick anecdote that this was referring to how men were allowed to perform in Iran where women are to continue to be forbidden to make public performances. Then on the woman's side, Susan Dehim performed a music that broke every rule of traditional classical music. It was not tied to language, it was guttural, it was innovative, it was full of rage, and she had no audience. And if in the male counterpoint the camera was stationary and the men were wearing white shirts, here in the woman performance in the theater, the camera was rotating and the woman was wearing black. So everything about the way we use the camera, the way we designed the space, the way we use the music, was all revolving around the notion of opposites. So somehow with the decisions that we made that were highly conceptual and simple, very photographic, we were able to transcend just the sociological issues of Iranian culture and allow the audience and even the Western audience to be able to relate to this work sort of in departure from the Iranian society and really feel emotionally engaged and sort of be able to feel close to the female singer and her plight. I think um, what I've enjoyed more than anything in my artistic practice is how to navigate my audience's attention, like how I begin with subject matters that are so deeply rooted in political issues, but slowly lead them to another place. Now, this happens with the photography. This happens with the video installation, where I could make a very sculptural piece, or it could happen in a feature film, where I start with realism of a, a scene where people feel like they're really grounded in something they are identify with and they're familiar, but slowly through the use of music and strange cinematography and production design, strange things begin to happen, whether it's through the use of magic realism or surrealism, 
stylized scenes, slowly I, I guide my audience away from the realism that they're used to seeing and even what I've started with and take them to a different place where we leave behind all of which we have been familiar with. And together with my audience, and I think with the last two feature films that I've made, Looking for Omekosum and Women Without Men, I've done that equally in both films where there are moments where we're just completely grounded in historical, political subject matters and scenes. But then suddenly we find for ourselves in scenes that are grounded in memories, in nature and places that are completely devoid of reality. So I enjoy um, being able to guide my audience in and out of different realms and have this experience that is unlike anything else. It's very interesting as a woman who is so invested in expressing human emotions and very interested in mysticism and all of that, which is so, you know, timeless and so completely universal. And I'm finding myself when I look back retrospectively at all of my work, whether it's still photography or video or movies, that everything I've made is grounded in Iranian history. Uh, Woman of Allah was um, covering the Islamic Revolution of 1979, the subject of martyrdom in relationship to this revolution. The end of Iran's monarchy came early today when Khomeini's followers took control of the palace of the Shah. Then the Book of Kings, my photographs, very large body of work that I created about the green movements of 2009. Nothing has been seen on the streets of Tehran like this since the revolution, right back in 1979. Women Without Men covered the 1953 coup d'etat of American CIA in Iran that overthrew the, you know, democratically elected uh, governments in Iran at that time. By a dramatic turn in events, the royalists staged a coup d'etat under General Zahedi. And now I'm with the Omakosum film, I'm looking at Egypt's uh, modern history from the monarchy of King Farouk to the social revolution 1952. So for someone who always says, ah, I'm all about emotions, all my work has been deeply invested in portraying history. So strangely, my work has been kind of narrating history in a way that it's unpredictable and I never even expected that I would be a narrator of history. <laughs> If I could be very honest, the recent film that I've made, The Looking for Omakosum, its very constitution goes back to turbulent, the ideas of music as the most powerful, I think, form of art that sort of allows human beings to transcend everything. As I said, the issue of time, place, cultural differences. And really, for me, the very principle of this film is to go back to the essence of Omakosum's music. 
the experience of ecstasy that she created for her audience that were able to transplant them from where they were and the time that they were in and have an experience that is truly the very importance and significance of art um, that allows us to have such experiences that someone like myself only wishes to create those moments of experiences for my audience. And I think the film, the effort that I made, the film inside of the film was questioning on uh, how did Omakosum create such art form, such experience for the audience that all of us as artists only hoped and wish we could. That 40 years after she's dead, um, she's still worshipped and loved and has been loved by men, women, wealthy and poor and secular and non-secular Muslims and the Jews and has unified people in such degree. And it's really about a portrait of an artist and a musician, a singer, who has reached a sense of popularity that so few of us have, really. And this goes back to turbulence, I think, the power of music, the power of art in transforming human beings. Sometimes when I see Turbulent after many, many years, I feel like I'm choking up because it affects me still emotionally, but it reminds me that it was such a turning point in my life. And also, I want to end this by saying that Turbulent, it's very truthful about why we are artists. The very meaning of being naked and the value of when you are so naked is when you really, really impact your audience. And when you're not naked and when you're just bullshitting and when you're making work as a form of strategy is when you begin to lose your audience. It's something I always remind myself that whatever you do, whether it's successful or not, remain truthful to your audience and to yourself and why you're making art and the emotions that you're talking about and not ever deviate from that. Sometimes artists need to go back to their original work and be reminded of why they started something and where they are at today. For more great podcasts from The Guardian, just go to theguardian.com slash podcasts.